Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Again, it's great to have you here. We're glad that each and every one of you are here. We are missing some people today because some are out of town, some are under the weather, uh, sick of one kind or another. So uh, look around and notice that and just encourage others to come anytime you uh, get a chance. Um, so it is just so great that we think about all God does for us and you know, when life's good, sometimes we forget. But when things get tough, sometimes then we help, help. Uh, we need to be thankful to Him all the time for all He gives us each day. I think about a lot of things. Um, you know, this morning I was looking out the front window of the house, let the dogs out, looking out the front window of the house, and sun was just clearing through the trees. And so I had to stop and take a picture. I sent a church group text out of that picture. But, uh, you know, I think... I just thank God sun rose today, that's for sure. I'm pretty thankful for gravity or I'd be hitting my head on the ceiling. So anyway, I mean, just everything God gives us, it's just, it's just so amazing. And uh, I, there's a passage I think about a lot, uh, 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. It says, cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. It's pretty amazing with all the people that live on the planet that God cares about each and every individual one of us and that we can pray to Him and He hears our prayers. Now, that's just amazing. But we've been preaching, just starting to preach through um, 1 Timothy, and we've worked through the first chapter a little bit. So today we're going to look at those last few verses, 18, 19, and 20, highlight a few points made in it. The title I gave the lesson um, comes out of one of the verses here uh, in verse 20 when he says... Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I handed over to Satan. That's pretty serious stuff. Handed over to Satan. Matter of fact, I don't know many statements made in the New Testament that's more serious than that statement. I want you to just sink in for a minute. Here, just give them to the devil. Wow! Now, I've met a few people in my life that I think they gave themselves over to the devil. And uh, that indeed is the case, but that's just pretty serious. I handed them over to the devil. Now, I want you to think about that again. Paul, he's writing this. He's inspired the Holy Spirit. He's an older man by this time in his life. Timothy, he's a young gospel preacher, probably somewhere in his 20s. And uh, he's giving him instruction, but Paul just doesn't write down instructions and commands. He does do that because they're from God. But... Uh, he lives the example before him. He doesn't ask Timothy to do anything he isn't doing himself. And of course, God doesn't ask us to do anything that Jesus hadn't already done for us. Uh, but I want you to think about in verse 18, he says, this command I entrust to you. So he says, so you look at that, it's a command Paul has received, but a command he's going to pass on and entrust Timothy. So when you think about something being trusted, and we looked about it earlier in this chapter because that's a word Paul likes to use in his writings. Uh, he entrusts this command, so he's planning on him sharing it with others. And he's planning on himself, Timothy himself, keeping the commandment, taking and doing what it says. That in accordance, he says to Timothy, my son, wasn't physically a son, in accordance with the prophecy previously made concerning you. Wow. And then he says this, that by them you fight the good fight. I looked at this phrase a lot, even back in the original language and how it was 
excuse at that time. I've been in a few fights, had split lips, you know, knots on your eye, things like that, been in fisticuffs. And, and if you've had that, I always tell if you've ever been in a good fight, no one walks away unscathed. That's just how it is. Both sides going to wear some marks. If you've been in a fight, a real fight, I guarantee you, you didn't walk away with nothing, nothing happened to you or you haven't been in a fight. But that isn't even the fight he's talking about. He's talking about battles, warfare. So I think about that. I was just talking to some guys um, yesterday, and both of them have served in the military. And I think about people I know that have been on the battlefield in the military and even been wounded in the battlefield in the military. I've known people whose loved ones while they were defending our freedoms and rights, and I think our freedoms are more important than our rights. You heard me say that. I believe our freedoms are more important than our rights. We stress rights all the time, and we forget to be thankful for our freedoms. But those people bled and died for us to have those freedoms. So I think about that because that's what it's talking about. He said, I'm telling you what, you got to fight the good fight. And in the other past, we're going to look at a few of them. That's going to be the good fight of faith. Said, so Christianity is not for those who are weak. It's going to be a challenge. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four accounts of the gospel, you cannot read those and really look at what they say and believe Jesus is a weakling. It's always bugged me with the artist renditions of Jesus, his long hair, Dylan, his beard. But he looks like, he looks almost like he's girly. And I also know what job his physical father had. Joseph, he was a carpenter, and the word there means they were the carpenters who did the rough work. They went out, cut the tree down, hewed the log out of the tree. So, you know, he didn't like me. He didn't use an air nailer and um, a miter saw, and he didn't use... I mean, it, in those days, my body tells me I was doing that yesterday. But that's nothing compared to what they did. So he'd have been... A fellow who you could tell had worked for, done physical labor. So, but I think about this when he says they fought the good fight. It's going to take something to be a Christian. You know, it's going to take something. And it's real. And I sometimes people, uh, well, I don't usually wear a tie and a jacket around every day. I do that for respect to God when we come together to worship. But, um, you know, you got to be the same. It doesn't make any difference whether I'm standing in the pulpit or I'm outside talking or wherever I'm at. You, if, I, I, it seems a shame to me that some people really become someone different when they walk inside a church building. Well, that's, that takes too much memory for me to remember to be one worse in one place and one person in another. Jesus same person all the time everywhere. And so I think about this idea of fighting the good fight of faith. Look... Look later over in this same book in 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 11 and 12. He started, now this is important. You've heard me say this many times in the Bible. When you look at the book, if you'll read the first chapter and the last chapter of almost any book of the New Testament, especially the letters, and you try to figure out what's the main point that he mentions at the beginning of the book and the end of the book, because everything else is bookmarked and kept in the middle of that. So there's some reason there. So... You think about here in the first chapter, he said, um, you need to fight the good fight. Well, you get to the last chapter, chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, um, 
Look at what he says here in verse 11 and 12. But flee from these things, man of God, and pursue righteousness, goodness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And fight. He's telling Timothy, it's going to be a fight to be this faithful gospel preacher you've called to do. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of So he says, I'm going to tell you what, you better get ready. It's going to take some a made-up word I like to use, stick to It's going to take some gorilla glue. It's going to take, I like that, take hold of, get a hold of it. I got this, you're not getting it. Hmm. Every time I read that, that idea of take hold, you've heard me say this before, it kind of reminds me of a tick. If you had a tick, you know, they get a hold of you. If they get in there pretty good, they ain't giving up. Well, that's how we kind of got to be with Christianity. You got to take hold of it. And it's going to take a fight. And you're going to be scrapping and scratching. And Now, I think that's important. We don't like to think about that sometimes. See, we want to be... When we think about Christianity, we just want to talk about heaven. I'm good with heaven, but I happen to be living here right now. And Jesus, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 21, it says He had to suffer to leave us an example that we would follow in His steps. So if he had to suffer to leave it, what's the chances are we'll have to suffer to follow it? That's just the way it is. If we're going to look at a steep mountain and I'm going to go to the top and I say, you follow my trail, and I'm huffing and puffing when I get up there, if you follow that same trail when you get up there, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be huffing and puffing too. Some people say, I'm going to die before I get there. But anyway, you're going to be huffing and puffing to get there. It's just the way it is. And so it's going to take real effort to follow Jesus, and since He went to heaven, I'm planning on following Jesus because that's what I want. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, look at this again, this idea, this fight, because Paul uses this especially to Timothy. Uh, let's see, 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. I, Paul says, just so you know, he's not asking Timothy to do something he doesn't done. He said, I've fought the good fight. Has Paul been in a fight? If we had time, we'd turn over, as he wrote to the church in Corinth, have they tried to stone him to death before? Have they beaten him with rods before? Has he been imprisoned before? All because he preached the gospel? So when he said, I fought, I always think about Paul. He'd have been someone to see. He wouldn't have been the prettiest fellow you ever see stood up to preach because the Jews knew how to stone people to death. Now, they took him outside the city and stoned him and left him for dead, and they knew what dead people looked like. Now, I want you to think, if we take you out here and we get large rocks and we hurl those large rocks at you till we're sure you're dead, and just by some way you recover, you're going to look the same from that day forward? And then you think about all scourge, you know, scourge, they brought that strap across his back and ripped him. So he probably looked pretty rough. So when he said, I fought, yeah, I can tell you've been in some fights. So he says, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. That's it. You can underline this in your Bible if you want. Fought, finished, and kept. That's important, isn't it? Fought, finished, and kept. And then he says, in the future... There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who love disappearing. So he says, but while you're here, you got to get into it. You know, I even think about my son Israel when he came back from Iraq, and 
When he first came back, I'd say for the first four, close to six months, all he wanted to do was get back over there. He wanted to be back in it. And after about that time, he wanted to do anything but go back over there. He finally got out of that mindset. You know, I don't understand that because I never served like that. I don't know what it's like to be in where people are blowing your buddies up and where artillery's flying over your head. I don't know what that's like. I really don't want to know what that's like. I respect people who've put themselves at risk so I can just do what I'm doing here today. But I think about that when we look and see all that's going on here, and Christianity's going to be tough. Look on down at verse 19 of our text in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says, keeping the faith. Keeping the faith. It's one thing to get something. It's another thing to keep it, isn't it? I think about that. You know, I grew up, my dad, my dad was a body man, owned a body shop. I drove some really neat cars growing up as a kid. Now, I wish I would have kept some of them. But I needed the money at that time, so I flipped them off for this, flipped them off for that, did whatever. But I wished I had, some of them would be worth price of some houses today, you know. That's what they would be worth. They were, they were, they would be nice. They would be worth some money today. Um, but you look at that, I didn't keep them. Hmm. So, yeah, I did own a 55 Chevy. I did own a 68 Nova. I did, I did own all those things, but I don't have them anymore. Well, whoopee, that's what you used to have, Kendall. That's not what you have. Well, let me tell you, you don't want to squander your faith away. You don't want to have had faith. You want to make sure you have faith. You know, you think about that with all kinds of things. I've talked to people. I don't want to bring this up, really, but it's kind of sad, but... Um, people who've had the great struggle and of having to bury one of their children. And so they had a son, had a daughter. They wish they still had him, don't they? Well, we want to have faith. So he says you got to keep it. you got to keep the faith. So I want you to think about that. Here, uh, if you look back up in this a little bit into chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, he says in verse 5 and 6, But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. For some men stray from these things. They stray from a sincere faith. So it isn't just like, you know, I'm just coming to church here to keep Tammy off my back because she nags me all the time if I don't come to church. Sock in the mouth stops nagging. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, you know, no, no one wants to put up with that stuff. But there's a lot of people who do things for all... Sometimes people, you know, when we were in Blackwell, Oklahoma, and I was preaching there, the Church of Christ was the largest religious group in town. What happens then, it can be, if you own a business, it can become monetarily advantaged to belong to the... So now why are you here? See, sincerity is important, isn't it? Sincerity is not everything, but sincerity is important. So you got to have a faith, and that faith has... You have to be sincere about that faith. He deals with this a lot in 1 Timothy, this subject of fighting and faith and holding on to your faith. Uh, jump over back to chapter 6 again. Look down at verses, the last two verses of the entire letter. Listen to this. O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. If we had time, we'd back up and look what he said had been entrusted to him in the book. Avoid worldly and empty chatter. That means don't watch the news. That's kind of, that's kind of, but anyway, avoid 
uh, empty and worldly, worldly and empty chatter, opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. I, now, I know when I get in the Bible, I know I got knowledge. I got, I got what God's knowledge. I got God's Word on it. So I'm pretty good. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. I'm good with that. I know I'm good. But outside of that, I'm not really sure about a whole lot of things. Because they tell you one person tells you one thing, one person tells you another. I mean, he just, it says we're going to kind of stay away from that. Because here's what he says. Which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. So if you don't watch out, okay, I'm going to wade out in deep water, okay? Now, I didn't say COVID isn't serious, and I didn't say it isn't real. But I've watched a lot of people who claim to be Christians spend all their time talking about COVID and no time talking about the faith. And I've watched a lot of people talk about... I have, I have strong convictions politically, but if it dominates my entire life, unless you're really plugged into that, you, you know, I get kind of tired of it. Man, I heard enough. I like to escape from that stuff. You know, I think, it, and Jesus did that. Did you? Jesus always had people wanting him to do something for him. Here, man, my arm's withered. Can you heal it? Here, my, my person, my friend can't even get out of bed. Can you heal him? You know, they're always, we don't have anything to eat. Can you make us some food? You know, I want you to think about all the things that happen. So what Jesus did, a lot of times he got up early in the morning and went off by himself. It's good to be by yourself and prayed. Sometimes you just got to get away from all the pressure, all that's going on. You got to escape. You got to have a way to get away from that. And if you don't, it's hard to keep the faith because there's so many demands in this life. And you, it's just like with our kids. Sometimes you just got to say, what? No. No, I'm not doing that. We've got to make sure we fight the good fight of faith and we keep the faith. Now, I think it's interesting uh, in this first chapter here, when he says, because some of them have uh, rejected the faith in verse 19 and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Shipwreck. You know, let's, let's get real. We live about as far from where ships can be as anybody. I mean, there might be some barges on the Mississippi. I always tell people I never saw salt water in the ocean until I was 25 years old. But when you live in south central Kansas, you're as far from an ocean as you can possibly get. Okay? So, so shipwreck, I never saw no shipwreck growing up. I've seen a lot of car wrecks. But they lived on the Mediterranean. Their greatest mode, and even when they were in the little Sea of Galilee, their best transportation was to get on a boat and let the wind move them across that lake, sail across that lake. That's not the best mode of transportation in the Middle East now. There's roads you can drive on. But I want you to think about, so here you are, and especially if you're in big water, and I've been on some big water, and I've seen big waves, and I've been where I'm ready to get back to the shore, and I'm not too scared of water at all, but once the water's taller in the boat, and then the next time you got to look down to see the water, and then the next time the water's way over your head, and then the next time... And Vernon's seen a whole lot more of that in bigger water than I have, and it's just like, I don't know how he felt about that, but I think, man, dirt sounds good about now. And, uh, and even when you get off that boat, you're still doing this. You know, you, and so you look at that, but when it says they suffered shipwreck, that would be devastating. 
I mean, you're out in the elements, you're in a tough situation. Fall apart in their day and age. They weren't made of steel when you just set them in the middle of the Suez Canal. <laughs> they fell all to pieces. And at the time, you were still in the water. So we look at this. He said, I'll tell you what. These people, they didn't fight the fight. They didn't keep the faith. And they suffered shipwreck of their faith. And then he calls two people out. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander. He said, there are two people who they threw the faith away. I don't know what they did. I don't know if they just left the faith and become worldly again or they picked up some other religious belief and spoke. It doesn't really tell you all of that. All I can tell you is they didn't keep the faith. Okay? And they suffered shipwreck. And he said, he calls them out for it. And he said, I tell you what, I just handed them over to Satan. Wow. So all the other things I said was opening remarks to the sermon, see? Handed them over to Satan. You know, that's not the only place that that's said in the New Testament. Turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Another time where almost the same words are said. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me remind you about the church in Corinth and the letter to, 1 Corinth, uh, to Corinth. Letter. Um, they were dealing with all kinds of strife. and they could, It seems like that church in Corinth could get messed up on more things than you think would even be possible of any congregation. Now, by the time you get to the next or second Corinthians, they fixed a lot of their problems. So they repented. They but look at this in verse chapter 5. Remind you that here's what's happened in the church in Corinth. And the church was proud of it. This is what's sad. They had a man that's a member of the church there that now was living with his father's wife. Now that's a pretty sick immorality. When to his father, that's probably his mother, probably his stepmother, but that's still pretty sick, huh? And he says, even the world wouldn't have put it. I'm paraphrasing. You can read 1 Corinthians 5 on your own. You're bright people. He said, even the world wouldn't put up. The, even the world would tell him, man, you're messed up. But they said, oh, aren't we naive? We'll accept anyone. And so he kind of rakes them over the coals about that. But the point I want to make, we don't have time to look Look at verse 5. I have decided to deliver Satan. I'm going to give him to Satan. And there's why he says, for destruction is flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. He said, I'm hoping that we just tell him, no, nah, you're, you're not part of the church anymore because this gross immorality you participate in. You're not going to not, not accept you anymore. And we're hoping that'll wake him up so that he repents and does what's right. So we're going to just, Satan owns him already. Do understand, Paul says we deliver him to Satan. Satan already owned him. All you're doing is making the uh, act very noticeable to the person because sometimes people don't even know the trouble they're in. Hitler killed 11 million people. 11 million, that's the highest number they come up to. Since 1973, in the United States of America, we've exterminated over 60 million unborn babies. And Hitler's the bad guy. Whew. See, we're real easy to point our fingers if we don't watch out to others and not looking at ourselves. Well, 
That's something to think about. So I try to remember that. So we look at this and we've got to remember. But I think it's kind of interesting that he calls them out in this and mentions Hymenaeus and Alexander by name. Now turn with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 2 real quick. We'll work through this. 2 Timothy 2, uh, verses 17 and 18. Listen to this. This is later. This is about a year later that he writes this letter to Timothy. And their talk will spread like gangrene. What's that mean? If you don't deal with it, it'll cost you your limb and it'll cost you your life. So he says that's what they're talking about. Talk, did you guys have school teachers that said things like this? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. They lied to you. That's one of the biggest lies. Because they didn't want me to hit my but they're still wrong. Words can do so much damage. So, and the Bible deals with that because their talk sometimes. I reposted somebody's post this week that says, if you can't say something nice, be quiet. Huh. Some people just learn to, be, learn, learn to need to learn to be quiet, don't they? So we look and he says, their talk will spread. And among them, here he is again, Hymenius. This guy won't give it a break. This Hymenius, whatever's going on with him, we also got Philtus here, but Hymenius, you got him. First of all, we know he's straight. He didn't fight the good fight. Now we know he's talking a bunch of garbage. Philtus along with him. He said, those are men who have gone from the truth. I, get, I have people ask me questions all the time, religious questions on one thing or another. I usually just want to tell them, well, let me, I just wish I had a Bible. Let me get, sometimes I go to my truck and get the Bible. But, because I carry New Testament, you know, they'll ask me, and I'll say, well, the Bible will say, but this is what the Bible says. It isn't right because I say so. It's going to be right because the book said so. And you, most, most people that know me, especially in preaching, know that I just say, when someone comes up with something, I say, well, can you tell me where you find that? Give me the book, the chapter, and the verse so I can read it for myself. Do you know there's a lot of people that tell me a lot of things the Bible says that don't even exist in the Bible? Well, that's what the Bible says. Where does it say that? Well, I don't know. I said, well, when you find out, you let me know. Very seldom you ever come back to that because it isn't in there. I said, no, that's not what it says. As a matter of fact, it's and someone the other day says, money is the root of all evil. I said, the Bible does They looked at me. I thought you were a preacher. I am a preacher. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, that's what I meant. Well, that's not what you said. Where it says it, so you can read it. For, I don't know. You know, but if you don't watch out, maybe they just misspoke, but they kept wanting to make a point about it. Nothing wrong with money. Now, when it owns us, then there's a problem with money. The love of money is the root of all evil. But he handed them over to Satan. Let's look over uh, a little further with this in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy 4. Don't worry, I'm going to be done here in a minute. Verse 14. Now we're going to call out another guy. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him. See what it says? I'm not going to go get vengeance from Alexander. 
me a lot of harm in some mission trip that he was on sometime. He said, matter of fact, if you want, I'll turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. It says the Lord's going to repay those who afflict us. And you know what I'm I was thinking about this today, but I tried to remind myself of this thing. Once when someone really makes you angry and you want to, oh man, because I'm not forgetting even, I'm forgetting ahead. But I remember the Lord says this, Kendall. He doesn't say Kendall. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He'll take care of it. You know what? I trust him all the time. He'll take care of it. Doesn't mean I'm always going to see how, doesn't mean, but he'll take care of it. I'm not worried about that. You know, just like being a kid growing up, and my mom and dad said, Kendall, we'll do this, do that. I wasn't worried where they were going to do it. They were going to do it. They said they were going to do it. They did what they did. If they said, I'm going to bust your behind for doing that, it was coming. But also, we're going to get this ready. Oh, it's going to happen. You know, I've met people who you can count on. They'll tell you they'll do something. They're few and far between. But I've met people who will do what they say, and I've met a lot of people who will say a lot of things and do very little. Well, you look at this, and it says, here he is. I'm going Lord to take care of that. Look what he goes on and says in verse 15. Be on guard against him yourselves, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. So now we found something about a, what harm he did. He must have stirred all kinds of trouble up so he couldn't teach the truth. Wow. He said, well, you better keep an eye on him. Let's look at... Got just two other passages and it'll be yours. Uh, Second John. No, let's go to Third John. I said 2 John, but it's 3 John. Long little letter back there. At the end of the Bible. 3 John, verse 9 and 10. We are First of all, I find, you know, I have never met anyone who kids, Diotrephes, or Hymenius. You ever know some guys with bad names? They don't call. And I never met, oh, you know, I mean, there's a few women's names I don't see in the Bible that gets used either. But anyway, there's some that are, and they're good names. But I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first. Well, you guys, yeah, that's what you think. But see, because of my education and the degree I have, then you really don't know what you're talking about. That's few educated idiots in my life. Everything kind of works. You got to look at that. And you know, we can get it with skin pigmentation, can't we? Black. There's a few of us. I got a few people on my side with this. Bald people with hair, you know, I'm going to get into all kinds. Men, women, we can get, it can be separations over all kinds of things, isn't it? And so we look at this, and he says, here he is, he wants to be first. I think verse 9 is interesting. Also over in 2 John, he says, if anyone goes too far and does not in the teaching of Christ. Yeah, it says this, but I don't, no, let's just do what it says. I, I kind of like things when they're simple and straight to the point. And God usually is straight to the point if you just read the Bible. A lot of people have been told, well, you could read the Bible, but you, you wouldn't be able to understand it. That's kind of insult. You know what that's saying? You're too dumb to understand what you're reading. 
But they shouldn't say that to me. But we ought to be able to read and understand it. So one last passage, and it's yours. Over in Ephesians chapter 6. Again, thinking about this, handing them over to Satan, this idea of fighting a good fight of faith, this idea of keeping that faith. But in Ephesians chapter 6, look at this about faith. Um, let's see, go right to verse 16. It's in the He says, take up the shield of faith. We talked about that warfare and that fight. When you were in a battle in their day and age, how important was a shield? Yeah, the Spartan mothers were known for telling their sons when they sent them off to war, you either come back with your shield or on your shield. What they mean by that? Because cowards would drop their shields so they could run away faster. If they carried the shield out of the battle, they won. So either you come back dead on the shield because you fought to the end. That's a pretty sassy mama. So he says, so you got to have this shield of faith, faith of our shield, with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. He goes on and says, take the helmet of salvation. I wish we had time to look at it too, but we don't. But the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I still think it's interesting. You know, I don't have to beat people up with intellect or anything, but this is the weapon that God has given us, the Word of God, to defeat Satan and what Satan does. And we have to hold to it all the time. I want you to think about this. Paul writing this letter to Timothy, this young preacher, that's one of the things he wants him to see. And he wants to let him know with the first two men he mentions there at the end of chapter 1, everyone's not as they claim to be, and those people will cause him grief. And he has to know that. So I want you to think about that. Think today, faith. Dennis mentioned one in class this morning. Uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 6, without faith... It's impossible to please God. If you don't believe in God, you're not going to please Him. Let me, I'll give you another one. If you don't please Him, you're not going to spend eternity with Him. So we have to be men and women of faith. Too many people live by sight. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, we live not by sight, we live by faith. Faith. Can't always see it, but I believe in it. There's a lot of things I haven't been able to see I believe in. Dennis also mentioned tornadoes. You know, I've never seen any wind, and I grew up in Kansas, but I've seen the effect of wind. See, so he says, well, you've never seen it. Maybe there is no wind. You haven't been to Kansas then, have you? Or Jamie will tell you you had not been to Amarillo either. I'm telling you, I can feel it knocking me down. as we stand and sing.